You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked On Bears is your podcast destination for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And today, we are going in-depth once again on Mitchell Trubisky. I'll be joined by Mark Schofield from Pro Football Weekly and Locked On Patriots, who goes in-depth for a film room piece every week on Mitchell Trubisky. We'll get his take on Trubisky's growth this season, sort of the night and day difference between the performance against the Rams and then the performance against the Packers. And he touches on a few of the key drives that really defined Mitchell Trubisky's performance in the NFC North clinching win. Before we bring Mark on, we need to take a trip to Hallis Hall here just to keep you up to date on the latest and greatest from Matt Nagy. And we're starting to get the preliminary information on the injury situations of Eddie Jackson and Aaron Lynch. The outside linebacker suffered an arm injury in the third quarter that had him go back to the locker room and something that didn't look particularly good on first watch. Not that any injury ever looks good, but his looked especially uncomfortable with his arm getting bent, not in a fun direction. And then, of course, Eddie Jackson suffers his ankle injury on the interception return, breaking Aaron Rodgers' streak for consecutive passes without an interception. And at the time, those two injuries were definitely very concerning with what they looked like on the field and the potential length of time that they could be out. And the Bears haven't released any official timetable at, at at this point yet, but Matt Nagy did speak to the media on Monday, and he's going to again today, and I'm sure through the rest of the week to give updates. But so far, Nagy was able to provide a little bit of an update, and he seemed optimistic that these injuries aren't going to be anything long-term and won't keep either of these players from potentially returning in the near future. With injuries, uh, as far as both of uh, the two guys, uh, Aaron Lynch, um, both of these guys are going through further uh, evaluations today as we speak. They're actually in them. So um, with that, we're just going to we're, we're you know keeping our fingers crossed for both of them. But we think that uh, uh, we'll get some some news back here in the next 24 hours um, later on today. I should hopefully know a little bit more. Um, but uh, you know, Aaron did his his elbow on a on a play in the third quarter. Um, and and uh, so we just got to see the extent of that, and then obviously everybody saw where where Eddie's was at. So we just got to um, get the the test results back. So once we find out more, we'll let you guys know and, and go from there. What's the level of concern that either will be season ending? Um, I don't I don't think we're there uh, for either one of them uh, the, as far as the level of concern. But again, once we'll, once we get more info back on them, then I'll be able to answer that better. But uh, I don't. I don't think either one of them seizing and seizing ending. Again, that was Matt Nagy speaking to reporters at his press conference on Monday afternoon. And just to go a little bit more in depth on these potential situations, it's it's obvious enough to say that the Eddie Jackson injury is much more significant to the Bears' defense than a potential loss of Aaron Lynch. But I I don't necessarily feel a ton of concern that in the short term 
the Bears are going to have this uh, significant impact on their overall defensive performance. Deion Bush is the man ready to fill in for Eddie Jackson. He he filled in for about a dozen snaps against the Packers, and he's played you know around like 30 snaps over a handful of games leading up into this point as sort of a a third safety in their goal line packages. And Bush certainly isn't going to play at the level Eddie Jackson has played, but he does have some experience under his belt. He's not known as your middle-of-the-field roaming safety. You know, he's always been kind of that hard hitter ever since he came out of college at Miami. That was kind of his reputation for being more of that strong safety. And so when you have he and Adrian Amos in the game together, you don't have that true you know, middle-of-the-field ball hawk type player, but the Bears can survive with Deion Bush at safety. And, you know, they have Houston Carson if things go wrong with Bush, but I have some confidence that he can at least stay afloat. Again, you're not going to see the big plays, the big turnovers, and maybe you're a little bit more vulnerable than you'd like to be on the deep end. But if the pass rush and the front seven can continue to play well, the cornerbacks can stay playing at a high level, I think Deion Bush will be just fine. And then at the outside linebacker position, it, it just takes one of your veterans out of that rotation. You know, it's still the Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack show there. And Aaron Lynch is a great compliment, but that just means more opportunities for Isaiah Irving to get some pass rushing snaps. And if Lynch is going to miss time, that would mean Kylie Fitz, the rookie out of Utah, could get activated and could see some more pass rushing opportunities. So in both cases, it could be impactful if they're going to miss significant time and potentially playoff games. But if they can get the two of them, especially Eddie Jackson, back in the fold by the time that first playoff game comes around, I think the Bears are going to be sitting all right and really breathing a sigh of relief to continue to stay one of the healthier teams in the NFL this season. I mean, really, when you look around the rest of the NFL, it's remarkable how much healthier the Bears are than every other team. And there's a really easy way now to look around the NFL with just one glance. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on both Twitter and Instagram, particularly on Twitter. If you follow Locked On NFL Net, you get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their NFL teams on one Twitter feed. It's amazing during game days and whenever there's breaking news, it gets you the local perspective. And then on Instagram, the at Locked On NFL Net gives you the biggest stories on every team in just one minute on Instagram stories and longer cuts on the biggest stories right on the Instagram feed. So make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. But now that we're caught up on the latest injury situation out of Hallis Hall, we will move to Mark Schofield to help us break down Mitchell Trubisky's recent performance and where he could still go from here. That's next on Locked on Bears. Joining us now on Locked on Bears is Mark Schofield. You may remember him from a few different episodes this season, breaking down Mitchell Trubisky, and that is what we're here to do again today. You can find his in-depth quarterback breakdowns at Pro Football Weekly. He'll have a piece coming out today, Tuesday, with... Mitchell Trubisky breaking down a couple of his big drives from the win over the Packers. I know we're going to touch on those in a minute, but you can also find Mark's work at Inside the Pylon, The Score, and Big Blue View. Mark, I appreciate you coming back for yet another Trubisky podcast this season, but so ha as his season has gone, so has the Bears. How are you? 
I'm doing fantastic, Mr. Cox. Always a blast to be with you and always excited to talk about young Mitchell Trubisky, who I believe is, you know, starting to turn some eyes and turn some heads. And it's good to see the national media sort of start to take attention, pay attention to this young man. Yeah, it was interesting coming into this Bears-Packers game. You know, I, I am a Wisconsin man and talking to Packers fans around here, there was certainly some uh, heavy criticism of Mitchell Trubisky, low expectations that you know, based off of how he played against the Rams, that he was going to turn the ball over and the Packers might have a, a decent chance to to upset the Bears and, and stay in this one. And obviously Aaron Rodgers had some struggles and that's a whole different topic. But as you watch Mitch from last week to the Rams to this week uh, against the Packers, what were kind of the big differences for you that you saw on tape? What was really interesting watching these two games was, you know, the piece I wrote for PFW for the Rams game, sort of breaking down Trubisky, because I talked about lessons, lessons that you can learn about your quarterback, lessons you can learn about yourself as a quarterback, lessons you can learn as a play caller and how to handle your young quarterback. And one of the things that I focused on was his footwork, particularly that left foot, which has been an issue for him dating back to UNC, that tendency to sort of open up too quick with his left hip, sometimes stand in the step into the bucket on two of his interceptions. That was a glaring issue where he overstrides towards the sideline instead of, you know, in the general direction of your target, not even along the target line, so to speak. And, you know, to get really super technical and nerdy, you know, as a right-handed quarterback, you want to step what they call three to four inches left of the target line. That sort of allows your back hip, your right hip to come through to generate torque. Well, he's not even stepping anywhere close to that on some of these interceptions. He's basically stepping, you know, parallel to the line of scrimmage. And so you see it, it causes a drop in accuracy, a drop in velocity, and it was an issue. So I thought, you know, if I'm the Bears coaching staff, Whenever this season ends, this, this ride that the Chicago Bears is on, whenever that ends, I sit Trubisky down and I said, look, man, you got one thing to do this summer, and that's fix that left foot. So that was one lesson that I sort of focused on. And another one that I sort of focused on was from Matt Nagy, the play caller, and said, look, when there are times when you feel like your quarterback might be struggling a little bit, you simplify the game for him. You give him some of those RPOs. And if you look at that sort of touchdown drive that ended with the touchdown throw to Allen Robinson, three of the plays on those drives were pre-snap RPO reads where it was simple box count. If you get numbers, run it. If you don't, throw it. And it made him a much more decisive quarterback. Now, spin this ahead to this game against the Packers. The, the second touchdown to throw of the game, the one to Burton on that corner route, look at his left foot on that throw. It is much more in line with where he wants to put the football. So maybe he already learned the lesson. Maybe it's still a work in progress. But the juxtaposition between some of the mistakes he was making against the Rams and that throw at the end against the Packers to win that game, night and day. And you mentioned the foot, and I want to get into those drives a little bit more in a second. But with with his footwork, you know, we've seen Trubisky make a lot of strides during the season here. We've seen him grow in a lot of different ways. I think one in particular that stands out to me is just his blitz recognition pre-snap, mm -hmm. especially early in the season when teams would bring that heat at the line of scrimmage. That was the formula to really get in his head. And as we've gotten through the year, he's gotten much more comfortable in that sense. So when when it comes to particularly that left foot and stepping into his throws, how much of that is something he's supposed to improve on during the season from live action? And how much of that is something that's better suited to be drilled in the offseason to kind of either break a bad habit or build a good habit? It's more the latter. And that's sort of why I basically said, look, you know, you've got to you know, give him that assignment in the off season, you know, to go fix the footwork and things like that. Because it's so hard when you're in the midst of a season – 
when you've done some things successfully, you sort of revert, revert to that muscle memory and moments. And part of the thing that's going to work against Trubisky in this aspect is as an athletic quarterback, he's moving around so much. He's throwing at times from awkward platforms. He's throwing on the move because of his athleticism that it might be even harder for it to fix itself in the course of a season because of the way he plays the position. And so it, it, what I had in mind when I finished that piece about the Rams game was, look, you'll fix it in the offseason. But you can tell that they've been working on it when you see some of the Christmas to his footwork against the Packers. And it wasn't just that one throw, although it certainly stands out for what it meant in the overall scheme of that game. But there were some other throws where he was sort of able to make those crisper mechanical strides with that left foot much more along the target line. I don't need the kid to be perfect. I've always said that, look, you know, mechanics aren't an issue until they're an issue. If they start impacting the placement on throws, then they're a problem. We saw that against the Rams. They certainly weren't an issue for him for the most part against the Green Bay Packers and basically a huge game for them. And so I think overall it's something you fix in the offseason, but I'm very much – I'm very pleased to see the strides he took in just this week-to-week sort of situation. Well, we are seeing the week-to-week strides for Mitchell Trubisky, and unfortunately for Chicago sports fans, the Bulls over in the NBA haven't been able to make those same strides, but that is why Matt Peck and Jordan Malley are here with Locked On Bulls to really help you get through this tough time for the Chicago Bulls. We talked to Matt on yesterday's podcast about some of the struggles the Bulls have having and how the Locked On Bulls podcast is a great form of group therapy. It's kind of like we did on this podcast during the John Fox years. That's what they're doing over on Locked On Bulls. I highly recommend every Bulls fan out there, go check out Locked On Bulls to really help you through what is a tough season. They do a great job over there, and it's a lot of fun tuning into Jordan and Matt, giving you all of your Chicago Bulls news and analysis. Still to come on Locked On Bears, we break down where expectations sit for Mitchell Trubisky and what the playoff experience could do for his development moving forward. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. We're here with Mark Schofield from Pro Football Weekly for some tape Tuesday analysis of Mitchell Trubisky, really going in-depth on the quarterback talk here. And I want to change a little bit of the path of the conversation here about a little bit more abstract in terms of expectations with Mitchell Trubisky. Because I think as the season has gone on, we as analysts and even Bears fans have kind of changed what we're necessarily expecting from Mitchell Trubisky and in terms then how we evaluate him and how we view his performances that I think when you had when you come in as the number two overall pick in a draft there was initially these high expectations for him to really be a potential game changing quarterback in these games and maybe not right away in his, his first year under Matt Nagy but to eventually get to that point and perhaps there was some early season disappointment when he wasn't a accelerating and getting to that level as fast as we might want. But it feels like now, you know, as we watch Trubisky, we we come away more pleased and impressed when he gets the job done and, and takes care of the football, even though that's not necessarily long-term what you want from your number two overall pick eventually. I mean, you would like to have more of a, a game-changing quarterback than a game-managing quarterback. But h- how would you evaluate the, where the expectations should be with Mitch at this point in his second season, you know, given 
how well the rest of the team is playing around him, given how well the coaching staff is putting him in position to be successful. Is he performing up to the level he should be, given all the help he has around him? From where I sit, I am more than pleased with how he's performing this year. And I will take your listeners back to the conversation we had before the season started, because I remember, you probably remember this too. You sort of asked me what would be sort of my expectations, my sort of baseline for how he performs this year. Would I expect sort of a golf type leap? And I said, look, you know, that might be asking a little much because, you know, doesn't have the same level of experience that golf had coming out. And I said, look, if I'm a Bears fan, what I'm hoping for is – Eli Manning year two, because Eli Manning year two, obviously, you know, he had seven starts in his rookie season, six touchdowns, nine interceptions, completes 48% of his passes. But in year two, you know, he gets over that 50% completion mark. Now it's more of a downfield type offense. So the completion percentage is a little bit skewed. 24 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I said, look, you know, numbers like that, I'd be overjoyed with. I, I think that's the kind of developmental stride you're looking for from Trubisky from year one to year two. And now let's look where he is right now. You know, you're looking at 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, you know, almost 65% completion rate. And again, West Coast offense, so those completion rating will be a little bit skewed between these two comparisons. But I think he's right where I sort of expect him to be. Now, you might sort of think that because of the way this defense plays and because of the things that McNaggy does from, from a schematic standpoint, that he should be more advanced, his numbers should be better. But I still think that given... The relative inexperience that he had, when you look at some of the other quarterbacks like Jared Goff, who who was kind of hoping to have people were hoping he'd have that kind of leap, who was a starter as a freshman at Cal. You know, you look at, you know, some of the guys that he came out with for Deshaun Watson, who played early and Patrick Mahomes, who played relatively early. You know, these were guys that had more experience. He had just 12 starts at UNC. I think that you should sort of always sort of temper the expectations with him. He's I'm more than happy with where he is from a developmental standpoint. And remember, he was my QB four in that group. Wasn't a guy I was high on, but the way he's played, the way he's sort of tracked his development, and the way that he's able to show you some improvement, whether it's from drive to drive or game to game or throughout the course of the season, has me really hopeful that that big leap is coming next year, but they can still make a long playoff run with the team that they have around them this year with the way that he's playing. Let's turn our attention a little bit more specifically to this Packers game because obviously an efficient performance, 20 of 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, takes care of the ball, you know, makes a couple key throws to keep the offense moving along when he needed to, but it wasn't as though he necessarily carried this team to a victory. And, you know, I look at like the PFF charting, and I see five passes completed that traveled 10 or more yards in the air, which is just not in, can, you know, it's not tiny, but it's not, it, it, he's not taking the top off the defense much by any means. It was a lot of those underneath completions and, and allowing playmakers to make plays and kind of taking what the scheme was able to create for him. I mean, what, what, what did you see from Mitch in this game and, and why did those particular drives stand out to you? Well, I mean, I think with respect to, you know, whether he's pushing the ball downfield or not, you know, given the general scheme of this offense, yeah, they've taken some deep shots. You know, they're probably more of a vertical-based uh, West Coast offense than most uh, or the traditional West Coast offenses are. You know, I, I'm okay with sort of the five downfield throws of 10 yards or more, you know, given the fact that he was doing things like getting the ball to guys like Cohen in the flat and things like that. What I liked about the two drives that I wrote about for PFW and the piece that's coming out, one came at the end of the first half. And if you remember the sort of the arc 
of the storyline between these two teams of this season. It was, you know, the 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 Bears had a chance to really sort of take control of that game back in week one. You know, they got, they had the 17 nothing lead at halftime, but it was really sort of a, a 10 nothing game. The offense didn't do much in that second quarter. They had a couple of three and outs. They had a fourth down where Trubisky was strip sacked. And it was a, a Khalil Mack defensive touchdown that gave them that 17 nothing lead at halftime. And then we saw the comeback. At the end of the first half of this game, Different story. They get the ball into the end zone. You see on there one of those RPO type plays. If we're talking about guys learning lessons, Nagy, you know, goes to that RPO design, gets the drive started. Then you have what might have been his best throw of the afternoon. You get a slot blitz from the left. He diagnoses it. He reads it as the play begins. You can see him peek to the left. He sees it. He knows he's going to have to get it out quickly because it's not blocked. Throws that backside bayonet post route to Josh Bellamy. Great velocity. Great placement on it, too, because it's man coverage. So he has the defender on his back hip. He leads him upfield. That's a high throw. So the defender's going to have to fight up through him if he wants to make a play on the ball, which will draw DPI. So that was a great throw. And then they cap it off with a quick throw of the flat. Again, against the blitz to Cohen in the flat. Does what he does best. Makes a guy miss in space. Touchdown. So juxtaposition between week one and week 15. You see it there. Finishing offensive drives in the sec- in the first half to get yourself a better lead at halftime. And then let's face it. When that game got tied. And Laura, you and I were talking before we hit record. When Green Bay scores 11 unanswered to tie this into 14. People are thinking, look, you know. We've seen how this one ends with with Aaron Rodgers against the Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah. But they don't give up, you know, and the defense gets them a situation where they get the ball back there, but a fumble by Cohen. They put together another drive where it starts with another sort of the Matt Nagy drive starters, a mirrored curl flat concept. He hits Taylor Gabriel. You get some penalties. You get a couple defensive holdings, a DPI, a run from Cohen, a shovel pass to Trey Burton. And then it ends with that flat seven smash where you've got, you know, Y ISO basically, even though that's a two tight end package, it's Burton and a running back in the flat, Burton alone on the corner route. He knows that he's got it pre-snap because he sees the cover two look from the defense, confident quarterback making a good decision because he knows what he's getting from the secondary throw is much more crisp because of the target line and the footwork. And he puts it all together for the touchdown that they needed at that moment to basically stem that narrative in its face and basically say, look, not today, my friends. We are not losing to the Green Bay Packers. We are not going to lose to Aaron Rodgers. And we are not going to sort of have the same kind of mistakes that we had back in week one when we let that team come back in that game. So as we move forward to the playoffs here, I wanted to get your take on, you know, even just more generally quarterback experience when it comes to the postseason, because we know Mitchell Trubisky is an inexperienced quarterback as is, and all of the playoff opportunities he gets this year are going to be extremely valuable for him just in general as he gets more experience. And he has seemed to have issues in some of the bigger, you know, primetime games, maybe being a little bit too excited. And even he's admitted that trying to make a play, trying to do a little bit too much kind of in the spotlight and in, in the heat of the moment. So when it comes to getting playoff experience for a young quarterback, is the actual playoff experience the valuable part, or is it just more generally about getting big game experience, whether that's a regular season game against the Rams and Packers versus that playoff? I mean, how different do you think Mitch getting some playoff games under his belt is compared to just more regular season games in high-pressure situations? You know, I don't think you can truly sort of duplicate the atmosphere 
and the surrounding circumstances of a playoff game in the National Football League. Because while, you know, this game was a big game, and obviously if you look down the stretch here and you look at the schedule, yeah, they've got two games left, two road games, that game of Week 17, there's a shot, you know, depending on how the Rams do, that they might sneak into a first-round bye situation. So these are all going to be big games. But you can't truly sort of duplicate, you know, the big game atmosphere of, look, there are two games today. This is it. You know, everybody's going to be watching because it's playoff football time and it's win or go home now. You know, they go out and lay an egg at San Francisco. They still got week 17 and a playoff berth ahead of them. You know, they go out and they lay an egg in their first playoff game. It's time to hit the golf course and make some reservations for Cabo. So two (laughs) totally different sets of circumstances. So it's really hard to sort of duplicate that. And that's where I think that, you know, some of the lessons that Matt Nagy has learned over the course of this season as a play caller will, I think, come in. Because as you alluded to, look, there are times when he sort of maybe is too excited, you know, at the start of a game. And so you have to do some things to get him in rhythm, whether it's some of the RPO type things that give him some defined reads, whether it's using his athleticism. We've seen this from Matt Nagy. They will cause some plays to get him involved as a runner, to get him sort of into the flow of the game. Maybe, maybe it's like, I do with my kids. They're excited. You let them run around to the backyard for a little bit, burn off some of that energy, and then bring it back to earth a little bit. Maybe that's what you have to do with them. Maybe it works. Maybe that's what you got to do. Either way, you know, you take the lessons you've learned as a play caller, see what gets them into the flow of games, what gets them comfortable, and that's what you have to do early on in whatever their first playoff game is to sort of settle them down, get them into that rhythm where you can start making some plays for you and sort of so you don't have this wild Mitchell Trubisky we've seen at the start of some of their games. Well, I have to say, there is no better quarterback expert out there, and certainly no better Mitchell Trubisky expert out there than one Mark Schofield, the host of Locked On Patriots. You can read his in-depth Mitchell Trubisky breakdown of the two drives against the Packers today on Pro Football Weekly. And Mark, I can't thank you enough for joining us for this Tape Tuesday edition of Locked On Bears. Lauren, always a blast to be with you. Always, uh, I always get excited when I see some of the other hosts doing the Tape Tuesday stuff. I, it's such a natural thing, you know, that Tape Tuesday. The coach's film drops. You dive into it like a nerd. So always happy to be with you. Always happy to talk some Mitchell Trubisky. And I will say, though, I, I, I hope I'm not the world's best expert on Mitchell Trubisky because that might be a bad situation for Bears fans. you got to hope that Matt Nagy and everybody else is, has a little better handle on him than I do. Yeah, the, the foremost media expert on that, Mitchell Much Trubisky. better. Well, even then, I'd probably put you and some other. Oh, I, I don't know I'm on the that, list. Sir. I'm on the list. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> top, top five power rankings. Top five go. power rankings. There we go. <laughs> well, Mark, I, I really appreciate your time as always. And maybe, maybe we'll have to do a postseason breakdown of Mitchell Trubisky, depending on how things go in the first couple rounds. Live from Veets? Oh, live from Veets in Mobile, Alabama. That could be there fun. There we go. There we go, my friend. Always great to be with you, buddy. Thanks again to Mark Schofield from Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Locked On Patriots, The Score, Big Blue View, etc. for joining us on the podcast today. He told me he was a bit under the weather today, but he powered through to bring us all that great Chicago Bears analysis. The least you could do to thank him is subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for Crossover Wednesday when we'll be joined by Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers to give us the scoop on what's been going on with a a down year for San Francisco, but coming off of a big win over the Seattle Seahawks. Don't forget you can find more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis in the Locked On Bears Facebook group. 
you just search Locked On Bears group on Facebook and request to join, and, and you'll be right in the mix with all of us having our daily conversations about the latest and greatest going on with the Bears. It's especially fun during game days when we really get the comments flowing, but it's a great place for Bears fans to find even more reasons to bear down. <laughs>